Who's the person you turn to when you need advice? The person who gives you confidence and strength? The person who's been your biggest support? The person you shop with, ask their opinion and trust them implicitly? For me, it's... Hi, Ma. Hi, Del. As a mother and daughter, we know we have a close bond, but each mother and daughter relationship is unique and different, and that's exactly what we want to explore. Each week, we'll sit down with mothers and daughters and talk about their bond, from the ones who work together to others who have survived, shared passions, overcome loss, and in general, have a great relationship that is worth sharing. This is Mothers Mothers and Daughters Daughters Podcast. Just wondering, with your background, with what you did in the Department of Health, was that any of any assistance with what Rachel and Johnny were trying to achieve? Did that, you know, any avenues help out there? I I, I feel I do feel I do feel lucky in the sense that um, I've. I've had um, a long interest in health. Um, my undergraduate degree was in uh, human biology and biochemistry, so I had I had a science background. Um, and when I went to work in the Department of Health, I suppose I learned a lot about how government works. You know how people do. You know, I was often. Uh, in a situation where, um, you know, campaign letters would come to us and, you know, we would be part of the response to that, you know, but that was you know, a public servant's role to assist with, uh, with, with um, uh, you know, the, the government response, I suppose, the, from the department's support point of view. So I guess we had, uh, you know, both David and I had an insight into how that worked and that, that did help. I think because when Rachel and Johnny, uh, I'll, I'll include both because I, I feel that they are a team, um, and, but Rachel in particular wanted to reach government. She wanted to make, you know, get attention on this. And so um, we were able to, I suppose, pro- provide some guidance on in to her and, and to Johnny to say, well, uh, you know, this this is if if you write a, a letter, this is the sort of thing that you that you need to point to, particularly um, offer not just highlight the problem, but offer solutions. That kind of thing. You know, what what can be done to from your perspective, what needs to be done, and I think that uh, that that um, did certainly. Um, uh, assist with getting attention on the problem. Um, but I also feel that from my own perspective, just being able to understand perhaps the genetic aspects, that was something that I found, you know, quite, quite profound. Um, because, and just on a personal note, when, when uh, the diagnosis uh, came through and, and Rachel and Johnny had had their um, genetics tested, um, we, the grandparents, did the same because, of course, it, it you know came down the family line, and um, and and I will out myself. I'm a carrier, and I have to say, it was came as a huge shock to me. Mm. Um, it even though I know it's not my fault <laughs> that I have this in my 
genetic makeup, I couldn't help but feel a sense of guilt. Well, I mean, I, I look, it's hard, I, under- but I understand that, but. If you're in the dark with, you know, this sort of thing, it's not uh, something you do every day. You know, you a lot of people don't think about it as a, a precursor to having kids. Um, and obviously technology no. changes, you know, quite rapidly. And so obviously there's improvements in that as well. But it's not something that's often discussed. And and so what you end up with is unfortunately the pain that you had to experience um, because, uh, yes. as you, you know, you, you kind of are a bit blind. It's not like when you're born you have this little leaflet that comes with you and says, okay, and this is what your DNA looks like. And, but I can understand that you feel, not yet anyway. Yeah. (laughs) But I can understand that you feel that sense of guilt because it's, but it's also at the same time, it's completely out of your control, what you pass down. Mm, And also when you're blind about it. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, I know this, uh, you know, my, uh, uh, I, I know this, but I think your heart, you know, mm. your heart sort of does oh, its own course. thing and, and, you know, it, it feels, um, yeah, right. I, I, I do carry that sense of guilt, even though I know that there's nothing that I could have done to, to, uh, to change that. No. But in any case, yeah. But yeah. in any case, you're taking what unfortunately happened and making it better for everybody else. You know, some people might not have the strength to be able to do that. So on the flip side, you know, you don't wish, you don't wish it on your worst enemy, but at the same time, I think a lot of people will be grateful that it happened in your family because you were able to take this opportunity and make it better for everybody else. And we, um, you know, we definitely did it as a family. Um, it was it was a family effort. Like, obviously, I stand at the front of it because I do most of the media. Um, and as the mum, you know, you tend to get a bit more of the attention. But it was a family. It was a family campaign. It was a family effort. Every single one of them, um, the grandparents, Johnny, we all we all did our our bit that we needed to do. So. Very proud of them. Well, I mean, and you were obviously a very um, strong and connected family before, and I'm sure this probably even brought you even closer together than you know than than other families. You know, just to see the the strength mm. in you all, uh, I think, is amazing. Just amazing. It, it, it yeah, we took. Um, we say that we've got. Sorry, Rachel. You. you... Oh, I was just going to say. Um, no, no. I was just going to say it's. Um, we talk about the many, many gifts that Mackenzie has given us. Um, I can't even sort of count how many it is at this stage. They keep popping up, um, even five years later. But um, one of the gifts is that it really did create a really close bond between Johnny's family and my family. Um, my parents and his parents go out for dinner mm. all the time and they don't tell us it's happening. They just do like a little um, selfie at the restaurant and mm. send it through, which is really, really cute. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I, I was just going to say before, I, I do feel that um, through the the whole uh, um, process of dealing with uh, Mackenzie's um, uh, diagnosis and then and then eventually uh, what happened, um, that certainly tested us as as a family and and also what came after, which was um, uh, Rachel's um, you know and Johnny's campaign. Uh, that did, but I think you're right. We we responded rather than letting it fracture us and break us apart. We just it just forged those bonds uh, between us so much and made them so much stronger. Mm, yeah. How did you overcome your grief? Do you think knowing you were already sort of on Mackenzie's mission? before her passing that that gave you the added strength to keep going? Um, yes, 100%. Um, so there's, uh, it's definitely not mine, but um, there's a description of grief on the internet that I read, which is um, initially when something happens that you're grieving, it's, um, it's like you're stuck in the ocean in a storm and the waves are crashing over you and you cannot catch a breath and you're struggling, you're drowning and water's coming in. Um, and then over time, there's a little bit of distance between the waves and that's what it feels like now. It's that when the waves come, they're not as often, but they still completely floor you. So, um, you know, there's no overcoming grief at all, but it was definitely a tool that we, that I used writing the book, campaigning for Mackenzie's mission, um, doing podcasts, reaching out to people, talking about her on my Instagram. Like every single part of that was very cathartic for me. It was a way for me to process. I also felt like it was a way for me to still be her mum. Um, because I suddenly had all this time and I was like, I don't understand what I did with my time before I had a child because she absorbed so much of my day and my night and my thoughts. And so I really needed that to turn to. So it was definitely um, a huge crutch that I lent on and I'm still leaning on. Well, I mean, everything, you know, you're, you're sort of you want to get her you want to still speak about her you you know and it's it's you know it's hard when you see people grieving through a loss like that that a lot of people don't like to talk about it bring it up you know and and that isn't a good way obviously for the family to deal with it it's like you want to talk about her she did exist she was a part of you and your husband and the family and I think it's important, as you say. I mean, she's your daughter and, you know, she she will be with you forever and it's important. Yeah, I remember having um, someone that I know who works for a media company and she admitted to me that she watched me on Instagram and she thought, wow, this girl is speaking about her daughter who's passed away a lot. She 
um, is obviously not coping. Mm -hmm. And then she lost her dad um, and she went, oh, wait a minute, and she wrote an article about it and she went, wait a minute, it's not that she's not coping, it's that she still has love Mm, and it's just a form of, it's not like I... I try very hard when I can to educate people on child loss and or any type of grief that um, society is quite selfish in that they don't want to feel uncomfortable so they won't bring it up mm, and but mm. they will they will tell themselves oh I didn't want to bring up any hurt anything of pain yeah, oh yeah. I thought that you had lots of people around you at the time that's why I didn't reach out they'll tell themselves a whole plethora of excuses mm. but it's not actually to make the person feel better it's because they didn't want to sit in that discomfort yes so instead of talking about it or even just saying like when I say oh, I've got two children but one of them passed away the best response that I can possibly get is I'm so, so sorry. What's her name? Do you have a photo? Mm, mm. And it's as simple as that. Like I don't, I don't, it's not that I need to have that in-depth conversation mm. with absolutely everyone. Yes. It's just an acknowledgement Yes, to, to say the name. And yes. that's how I think a lot of people should deal with grief when it comes up. Because it's so funny that we don't deal with it well in Western society when yeah. it's like the only certainty in life. Yeah. We, we will all die. Yeah. And we will all know someone who will die. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's um, you're a hundred percent right. We just we just want to speak about our loved ones. Mm, so true. Yeah, it's so it's so true. And you've given her such a legacy, you know, in for the short life that she had. She is going to have this legacy for the rest of your lives and 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 beyond. and beyond. You know, and that's and that's a real you know that's a real beautiful thing and and. It would be nice if everyone sort of saw that way in terms of not just, you know, it's it's awful to have infant loss um, and that, you know, to have that sort of voice to for other parents to give them not permission but just give them a voice so that their, the way that they want to speak about their child is completely justified because they were in their lives for whatever length of time, and they that doesn't go away just because they're not physically with you anymore. And it definitely needs to be more normalised. I just I feel a lot of guilt that um, I feel a lot of guilt that I get the beautiful gift of my daughter having a legacy. Um, I feel a lot of guilt when um, people know her name and they don't know the name of other friends that I have that have lost children as well. So I very much try as much as I can to say that Mackenzie's mission is an acknowledgement of all the children that should be here Um, Mm -hmm. because, yeah, it is. I wish everyone got the, like I get messages from people daily saying, I did the test or I've had a baby through IVF after being diagnosed as high risk or, you know, and it brings me this huge joy and I wish other people got that as well because it's a really an honour. And if I can ask to both of you, what have you learned about each other going through this? Um, I will, going through this, um, I didn't realise how strong my mum is. Um, I have, you know, you go through that thing where you, um, 
when you're younger, they protect you, but then when you get to a certain age, you feel like you want to protect them. And I still feel that, but um, she's a lot, she's a hell of a lot stronger and, um, yeah, more resilient and capable of huge amounts of love. Yeah. And Wendy? Well, I think one thing I've learned is I think I had, you know, developed a a scepticism about what it was possible for one or two people to do. You know, uh, you see, you you know, you see in, in... uh, sort of cases or you know, in the media you see cases of people come stepping up and making change but it had never touched me before I had never sort of seen that in my own life or seen it in, in a personal sense so I I just feel that this is just given me a, a renewed sense of the possibility you know the the this the classic power of one you know that's an, an amazing sort of uh, uh, example what we've what we've uh, seen uh, just over the last uh, little while. So, despite not being in positions of power, it is possible for ordinary people to make such a difference, and and that has uh, you know been hugely um, uh, inspirational to me. But I think what I've learned is very similar to what Rachel said about me, which is that I've learned just how strong and resilient and, um, you know, uh, uh, I use that terrible word, amazing, but it's true. Uh, They're far beyond what I ever imagined that, that Rachel is. And I feel that she is an inspiration. She's an, and and a, a woman. Who I'm seeing now that she is a woman with a sense of purpose and a determination that, um, even as her mother, is remarkable and impressive. Mm. So there you go, Ray. Mm. There you go. <laughs> oh, I like like hearing these lovely things. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's true. When did you? feel like you were ready as a you know a, a relative term but to start trying to give Mackenzie a sibling as as you said knowing you were a bit more equipped obviously having done extensive genetic testing at this point when did you feel like okay we're ready to kind of start that process uh, we actually started trying for a sibling while we still had her um, so we found out that for us, we needed to, we could either try naturally, get pregnant, test the baby um, at either about 15 or 17 weeks and then terminate for medical reasons. If the baby was affected and we were very much obviously trying not to do that because that sounded horrific yeah. um, and not what anyone wants to do. Um, the other option was IVF. Um and it would take about three months for them to develop the test based on our blood and Mackenzie's blood to create the genetic test. So we knew it would take three months. We very much hoped that we would be able to see her with her sibling. Um, you know, hindsight is, yeah, I mean, a wonderful thing. Um, but we 
the test actually, we got the call to say that the test was ready a month after Mackenzie, um, Mackenzie passed away. Uh, I always go to say died and I hate that word. Mm. Um, so confronting. Mm. Um, but we got the call a month after and we looked at each other and we really didn't know what to do because we felt completely lost. Like I said, we had so much time and we just didn't know where to give that. And we were like, we now know what it's like to be parents and to sit here without a child in our arms. We just couldn't. Mm. We also didn't have the luxury of time. We were um, older, not old, but we were older and I had been told that my egg count was not um, substantial. So we actually started trying. She passed away in October and we started trying in December. Um, I've spoken to a lot of parents who have lost children and you can either go the way that you desperately need another baby now and it's not, it is not a replacement. It is an addition. It is a place for your love. Um where some people like to occasionally attack you if you are on the internet, if you are trying for another child after loss. Mm. Or there are some people who need time, and I understand both ways, but we just didn't have that. Um, so we tried very, very quickly. We were also very naive into thinking that since we didn't have fertility issues, that we would get a whole bunch of embryos on our first go. And I remember we actually got surprised. We went, we got called on the Kyle and Jackie O show and they surprised us with the give back of $30,000 wow. of IVF to an IVF company that we were going with, Jenea. And um, I remember Johnny and I asking, what do we do with all the extra money? Mm. You know, what do we do with all the extra embryos? And we decided that we would donate them to a couple who also needed another child and that just feels so naive and foolish because it took us nine rounds, mm. stimulation rounds, four transfers, a couple of laparoscopies where they found endo. So it was, it ended up um, taking us almost uh, about three years. And in those three years, we lost another two children um, in the second trimester of pregnancy that we had to um, medically interrupt those pregnancies, which was uh, a different layer of grief and loss so yeah you just and we're going again and I feel like a completely stupid person for doing that but we feel like we have one more baby waiting for us so mm. I think it's a, a real testament and you can see how strong you are because you know nine rounds of IVF unsuccessful rounds of IVF is exhausting I can't even imagine, but the fact that you've gone through nine rounds, suffered two losses in between that and still continued on just goes to show how much love you really do have to give because there's only so much I think people can take, but the fact that you, you, you know, you wake up in the morning and I know you've just started, is it your 10th? cycle now that you've started yeah and the fact that you still want to do that is just it's an incredible strength of character I think that you know most people would say like that's it you know closing it you know letting it go but the fact that you keep trying it you know you you know how much love you have to give I think also um you know mum was saying at the start that I 
get very determined and I do post-it note campaigns and yeah, I don't think I've changed very much since I was a kid. Very, uh, uh, it's amazing. Um, when, sorry. And uh, when, I, I was just oh, going to say. You, you it, go, sorry, Wendy, yeah. you go. Uh, just that uh, uh, before um, uh, Rachel and Johnny started IVF, I'm probably like most people thought that, um, oh, well, you know, the science uh, is probably so, you know, so advanced that um, it won't, won't take more than one or two rounds and it'll all be successful. And then it wasn't till we all looked into it and Rachel was telling me, uh, you know, more of the statistics that I realized just how low the success rate is, the percentage is, is, is quite low. And um, uh, it's, so I think there is an unrealistic um, uh, view of what IVF can do. Um, you know, some people feel that it, it, it's uh, uh, um, if, say, for instance, they've decided that they're going to put their, you know, having a family on hold for a while because, you know, they can do that later. I think a lot of people have found themselves in a situation where, in fact, there is no miracle um, solution. Um, and and that's that's quite tragic, I think. Um, yes. Yes. I know it's improving all, all the time, but but um, uh, you know I think there's for for us at least, or for me, it was a reality check. And seeing what Rachel went through, what Rachel has gone through, is still going through with IVF. I mean, as her mother, it's um, it's you know, it, it's another level of uh, you know distress at times. Yeah. Mm. How did you feel? Yeah, it's hard to see. Oh, I can't even. I mean, how did you feel, obviously, during your pregnancy with Isaac? Did you, do you feel like you enjoyed any part of it or did you feel like you were constantly panicking because of the history you'd gone through? Um, a little bit of both. So we didn't know for sure that we were going to be able to keep Zach until 20 weeks pregnant. Um, so that's quite because we waited and we did an amnio. So um, even though it was a, he was a genetically tested embryo, we one of our losses um, had actually also been a genetically tested embryo, but they have a 95% uh, uh, certainty on their testing and we'd fallen into that 5% mm. um, incorrect results. Um, so for Zach, we didn't, uh, we didn't go in thinking, well, this is a healthy embryo. Um, we waited, we did the NIP test to check the chromosomes at 10 weeks, which is the blood test, and then we did an amnio at about 17 weeks and then we had to wait for the results. So we didn't know until 20 weeks. So that was very hard in terms of connecting. You don't know whether to connect or not. Um, in saying that, um, I love being pregnant. I love, love it. Um, it was a harder pregnancy with Zach than it was with Mackenzie but um, I really, really enjoy it. So I had also, I've spent a lot of time working on my mental health 
I'm not taking it for granted. Um, you know, I've seen psychologists, I've seen kinesiologists, I've Reiki, all sorts of, I've, yeah. I've gone f- to all sorts of the, um, the lengths of and different treatment types, um, traditional woo-woo, everything to see if I can, you know, help myself in any way. Um, I'm also on medication and I have been since she was diagnosed and I'm very open and about it because I think it's really important to be and there's no stigma about needing a crutch when you need it. Um, and so with all of that work, I was able to enjoy my pregnancy with Zach, um, especially after the 20 weeks. Yes, I was still scared about something going wrong, but um, I knew that I needed to live in the now. So, um, yeah, I, I loved being pregnant with him. And, Wendy, what was it like seeing Rachel, you know, standing there with Greg Hunt and Scott Morrison, you know, with with what she was able to achieve, obviously, you know, with the genetic screening? I mean, it must have been such a proud moment. Absolutely. Uh, uh, very proud and and sort of <laughs> a, a little level of disbelief almost that we're here. Mm. This is actually happening. This is this is incredible. And uh, I, I think that um, uh, w- we were always hopeful. We were always hopeful for a good outcome. And when Mackenzie's mission was announced and, and uh, you know, the, the, the funding that they were putting into the research project and, to, you know, to, to see whether or not it would be, it would be um, uh, a, a, a worthwhile thing to do for the government to fund uh, on an ongoing basis, um, that was just, we, we were just over the moon, absolutely um, couldn't believe it. But then now, now that we're at this this stage, which is where it will be offered, you know, subsidised, uh, testing offered, um, it, you know, for, for the foreseeable future, that's just, um, it, 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 I couldn't be more proud. That's true, yeah. And it must have been, I mean, an incredible sort of gift quite recently given you celebrated Zach's, I know you celebrated Zach's birthday, first birthday recently, and it was also Mackenzie's birthday also Mm -hmm. quite recently. So, I mean, I know you always very consciously celebrate her birthday, but I can imagine Zach's first birthday was also quite, an important milestone for the family to celebrate as well. Yeah, I was saying, um, I was saying I wasn't going to do a first birthday. I was like, you know, I'm not going to be one of those Instagram moms that spends a whole lot of money on a party that the child will never remember. And then I was like, no, I want it. We need it. We if need anyone to be able to deserves him. Yeah. an over the top first birthday party, it's definitely yeah. you guys. And we were like, we're celebrating, you know, we're very, very honestly saying this is not for him. This is for us. <laughs> it is also a little bit for Mackenzie because she didn't get to have her first birthday. So it was, it was just a celebration for everything, for him, for her, for us. Um, it was a really important milestone to get to. And we are very, very, um, so they're born very uh, 
closely. It's a very busy month. So Mackenzie's birthday is on the 11th, then Zach's on the 19th, and then Johnny's on the 21st. So it's a busy, busy month. Uh, we also tra- tried to transfer an embryo that didn't take. So um, it was a yeah, big month. Um, but Mackenzie's birthday and the anniversary of her passing, we celebrate um, the best we can. So her birthday, we've started, Johnny and I make her a cake that we try to, um, we did a unicorn cake mm-hmm. this year. Last year it was a rainbow cake and we try to um, share the cake with the family if we can. Um, we always uh, buy presents that we would spend the money that we would usually have wanted to spend on her on presents so that we donate to Ronald McDonald House and then we uh, tend to donate blood um, under her name and we just really try to encourage anyone who wants to celebrate their child or just do a kind act um, on her birthday whether it's you know, drop some cookies to someone, an elderly neighbour or, you know, donate money to a charity, whatever anyone can do to spread a little bit of kindness into this world because especially the last couple of years I think we've needed it. Mm. And, Rachel, what's next for Mackenzie's mission? Yeah, so I um, am so... It's, it's funny, every single time we get an announcement, I feel so thankful and I'm just overjoyed and then I get selfish and I want more. And um, so I'm so thankful for this um, genetic screening to come, become free next year and it's for the top three genetic conditions, but there are thousands of genetic conditions and there's, um, you know, quite a lot more that need to be added to that list. Um, I feel it's going to take a little bit of time because to set up the labs and the genetic counsellors, you know, the infrastructure that goes into it. So I would like to start seeing more conditions um, placed on that genetic condition. I would really love to see the NIP test. So that's the chromosome test, which is a separate, different test. I'd like to see that subsidised by the government. Um and I'd also really like to see uh, and campaigning for a reduction in the cost of IVF um, because previously we had to go through private clinics because of the genetic factor. We are not able to go to bulk billing clinics and to be told you have a risk of having a genetic condition, your baby having a genetic condition, there needs to be answers and solutions to what you can do. So. The government did announce Mackenzie's gift, which is actually a subsidy. Um, This was announced a couple of months ago, so a subsidy on the genetic testing of those embryos, but IVF is still very expensive. So there's a few things that I'd like to see happen and keep campaigning for, as well as education around IVF, like what mum was saying, Um, education around child loss and grief. So, yeah, there's a lot to do. Mm. Just a few. It's a a nice... um wish list. I, I wouldn't call it a selfish one by any stretch of the imagination. Thank you. It's um yeah, you sit in those IVF clinics and you see the amount of people that walk in every single day and you think, wow, this is just one day, one clinic in one city. Um how can this be? How can we make this easier? Mm. Yeah, it is. It's it's an I mean, you know, one in six to to think one in six couples, you know, if you just think about your friend group in general, that's 
it's a you know it's a lot of people to you know experience this kind of challenge and then on top of that to have potentially genetic issues that you have to address on top of that i mean it, it's just it's an incredible um undertaking to becoming a parent you know you you don't always think okay it's going to take all these steps to eventually become a parent and and there's just so much that we are completely unaware of and and i think the fact that you want to push forward for also more education really does will make a big difference in a lot of couples lives because they just wouldn't be aware of it no like i'm i'm currently um actually um, showing my 10th round of IVF um, in real time on my Instagram. Because um, after a while, it got really exhausting hiding it from people because it is a full-time job that you have on side of your other commitments. And I don't think really people realise that it is like emotionally, physically, mentally draining it seats into every facet of your life even your weekend plans going out to baby showers or parks and seeing kids like it seeps into every aspect it changes relationships especially when you're in the depths of it and you're comparing and you're jealous and then financially it hits you and then you're struggling financially and you can't afford to buy a house and you can't afford to buy this and you're falling behind everyone else it is huge it's huge well, I, I think you you are an incredible incredible person. I mean, I think Australia is very lucky to have somebody like you, you know, there forging such paths for everybody, uh, you know, not just being selfish for yourself. You're doing this for so many other people out there. Yeah. As, as Wendy said, you are a very impressive young woman. As I said, thank you. I, don't, I don't feel it, but um, thank you. Well, you it, are. Well, we can say that. Yeah, yes, that's we right. Can say, yes. right. We can say that. Yes. Most people who admit it usually don't do as much as as you would selflessly for other people. <laughs> yeah. It's usually that's what happens. Um, we have taken quite a bit of your time, but we do want to do our quick lightning round all about us section. So. Yeah. One word to describe your relationship when Rachel was a teenager. Hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness! One word. <laughs> um. Oh. They said lightning round. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs> lightning. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Lightning is um um challenging. Okay. So the one word now to describe your relationship in adulthood. For me, yes, strong, strong, okay. strong. Would you say the same, Rachel? Yeah, yeah. We um, it's it's hard because it's challenging, strong, beautiful throughout our whole lives. Warm, mm. yeah. What characteristics do you think Rachel has from you, Wendy? And then we'll ask Rachel the same. Okay. Well, as I mentioned before, Rachel is a very determined person and and I feel that, uh, you know, I am too. I think she's 
which is um, uh, if if there, that can be inherited, I think she's inherited that. Uh, I think um, a, a clear sense of right and wrong, and of a sense of you know what what should be uh, you know as opposed to what is. Um, being a perfectionist, I'm plagued with that, but it's also a good thing if you can use it in the right way. Um, I will say, I think she gets. Although I, I think I, I am a courageous person. I think she gets her fearlessness from her dad, and I hopefully, hopefully, um, her intelligence from both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention a capacity for love. And yes. and Rachel, what what do you what characteristics do you think you got from your mum? Opinionated, bossy. <laughs> but they're good ones to have. Oh, they are. I could go into more, but you did say lightning round. Yes, yes. yes. Um, <laughs> and we have so as, we have taken so your time. Was, that was my lightning round. Sorry, <laughs> that was me being lightning. That was so. you being quick. What's the <laughs> um, most memorable moment in your relationship? Oh. Um, can I go first? Yep. Um, so I think I will say, I mentioned to you before the episode about the ear piercing, so I won't go back into that. Um, I think that the most memorable moment for me, which is the hardest moment, is when we were all saying goodbye to Kenzie in hospital and Ray asked um, David and I to both read a story each to Kenzie and it was, I feel it was so, such a hard thing for her to ask us to do, to witness that. But she knew how important it was for, for us both to be able to, to do that and to say, you know, to give her that last gift of love. And it was such a beautiful memory of our last moments with Kenzie. So um, I feel that it was memorable because Rachel was so generous in in saying, I want you to do this. Mm. Um, memorable moments. There's a lot. Uh, I will say there's a lot around Kenzie. There's a lot. Um, but I will say when I was early 20s, I was diagnosed with a malignant melanoma. And I remember calling my parents and it like, I think they basically just got straight into the car and drove like, and it was just so indicative of them, you know, you call them and they were there. Mm. So, um, yeah, I have a really memorable moment of talking to mum on the phone. (laughs) And who gives the best advice? Me. (laughs) It's usually the mum. But we both do it and I, I I think we would both say that we both give the best advice. <laughs> what's the best yeah. what's the best advice she's ever given you? Um the best advice she's ever given me just because it is this a piece of advice that I always tell myself is um it was when I was doing my uni degree and I just remember sitting there and I remember her saying to me one potato at a time or the equivalent of that. And she just sort of said, take 
I was having a meltdown at all of the assignments that I had due and she was like, just do one at a time and it applies to other things in life. If you look at everything as a whole, you'll fall apart. If you break it down, it's manageable. Mm. And whenever I've got things that are, that I'm, that I'm drowning in, I pull them apart and I focus on one at a time. It's very good advice. It is. And how many times do you call each other? We speak every day in some form. We've got multiple WhatsApp groups amongst the family that we send Kenzie photos or Zach or we send our Wordle results. Or um, So we, we speak in some form every day. Um, and I call you, what, mum, maybe three times a week, maybe? Oh, at least, at yeah. least, yeah. Yes. It's almost like it's a running conversation on multiple levels, you know, lots going on. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine there would be a lot of layers and a lot of different conversations happening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's great. I love it. I, I, I love it. Who, who calls the most? Me. Mm-hmm. It's usually the way. Yes. Well, yeah, although... I think oh, it's more don't because I'm, I'm aware. <laughs> it's no, me. No, I'm just saying I, think I don't have the CUR, so I tend yes, not to call as often as I would like. Yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah, think the true. younger one with the with with children, or it's sort of like you, you just don't know when's yeah. the best time to call. So I I tend to wait myself. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, that's true. And I will say yep. to to mum's credit, no matter what she's doing, she knows that this is the time. And to, no matter what she's doing, she takes the call. Uh, you know, she takes the call. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I do. Yeah. And we and as Rachel said, we message each other a lot, even if it's just you know really just a brief little little message. So yeah, it's always mm-hmm. nice. Keeps the conversation mm. going. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything you've always wanted to or wanted to tell each other or ask each other but never have? Um, for me, for, for me, no, um, we have, we are very, very open. We say exactly what we think when we think it, we, if we have fights, they last like 30 seconds and then we hug and make up. So we we don't have any secrets from each other at all. The only thing that I haven't asked and I keep saying I'm going to is there's a lot of, t- there's a lot of questions I have around her life before me and I'd really like to know a lot more about mum before me, before kids. Um, So that's the plan is that I'm going to put things, a few questions each week down in an email and send it to to mum and to dad to answer. I just got to... Just got to find, find the time. time to yeah, yeah. That sounds it sounds it's like a great an, idea. Yeah, though. I'll say it's it's very very good idea because yeah. otherwise it just gets too late. Hmm. Yes, I was going to say yes. In your spare time, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Of which she has none. Um, uh, I would agree with what Rachel said. I think we know each other pretty well, and we are quite frank and open with each other. Um, especially these days, I think our relationship has evolved to that point where we, you know, don't hold back. I mean, obviously, you you don't sort of. There are times when you you, you perhaps uh, are a bit more circumspect, um, and there 
I feel there isn't much that I haven't told Rachel, but I acknowledge that there's probably lots about my early life that she might like to know. One thing I would like to ask is what she remembers of her grandmother, my my mother, who passed away um, before Rachel Ray was uh, even eight years old. Um, and I would like to tell her more about her, you know, mm. grandparents, my parents, because they did they they did unfortunately um, uh, uh, leave us early, and and I just think. I would like her to have a, a better sense of where she comes from in that sense from my parents and and on down. Mm. Yeah. In and I'm happy. I, I want to know it. So yeah. mm. in mm. your spare time you can do a big family tree conversation. Yes. That's it. <laughs> start with a glass of wine and, and best way parents. to start. Best way to start. <laughs> well oh, excellent. I'll be there. <laughs> well, Thank you both so very much for your candidacy and sharing your amazing story and and continuing on Mackenzie's story. And, Rachel, we wish you all the very best and success with your IVF cycles and and bringing another sibling for Zach and Mackenzie into the world. Honestly, thank you. No, thank you. So, so much for having us and for, uh, you know, I jump at the opportunity to talk about Kenzie but also to educate people, you know, if we just get one person learning about genetic carrier screening, then it's a success. But it was actually really nice to do a podcast with mum. Here's some things that she thinks it, about it, me. It It'll kick it's off, kick off your family different. tree, kick off your family tree conversation. Yeah, so thank you. It's no, a, well, I'm, it's a I'm, gift. Absolute pleasure. As I say, it, it was um, moving, um, you know, I mean, joyful because obviously, you know, you, you have much, so much love, you know, to, to, Share your story, you know, your, your, as Jordana says, your candidacy. It, it's, um, incredible. So you are a very impressive young woman. And yeah, we would wish you all the happiness and success for, um, for your future, you, you and Johnny's future and your beautiful boy and your beautiful girl. Deserve thank it. You so really much. do. Thank you. And thank you, Wendy, for your time. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you have a mother and daughter story that you would like to share, send us a DM on Instagram at Mothers and Daughters Pod. If you loved this episode, please subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss a new episode. Spread the love and share the podcast with your mum or sister or friend. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. See you next week and don't forget to call your mum.